Welcome to CISO's Insiders Podcast, powered by GRC Consulting. In this podcast, we'll be interviewing leading CISOs and security leaders in the industry for light, eye-level conversations. Here, they share advice and tips, talk about their biggest accomplishments and failures, favorite drinks, key influencers, and much more. We encourage you to walk away with at least one insight that will help you better yourself or your business. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more content, please check us out on social media. Welcome, everybody. Today, I will be speaking with Elon Dar. Uh, Elon is the current CISO and VP of Engineering at a company called Autofy, and he'll, he'll, he'll talk about uh, the company in a minute and, and, and properly present himself. But... Um, Looking back, you know, I mean, looking back at the quick research notes that, that I've gotten about you, I see that you grew from the application security or actually the application development uh, uh, space. Uh, you held a, uh, a few positions there. Uh, and I, I believe your first formal position um, around uh, information security or actually maybe it was product security. I think that was at LiveOps uh, back in 2012. So I see you have a lot of uh, background in uh, in uh, in software development and product security, but maybe you could. Uh, and I see you, that you do have like twenty years of experience already. Um, but maybe you could step in and introduce yourself in the company. Sure, no, happy to. Yes, I mean I, I consider myself to have a, a fairly non-traditional path to that CISO role. Um, when I first started my career, even during my studies, I was always intrigued by application security. Uh, this was at the time where the internet was really starting to kick in uh, early 90s. And so I was curious about how things are working and how I can get into sites, get data, et cetera. So security was, was something that was a focus of mine, even as I was going through my um, undergraduate uh, program uh, for computer science. Um, my focus when I uh, was coming out of school was on uh, security and, and in particular internet security. Uh, so I, I did a, a, a thesis on uh, securing the routing information protocol as part of my studies. And then I joined a startup, a small startup that was building uh, secure web servers. Um, so as part of that, I learned really how to think about security from a product uh, design and development point of view and really how to build uh, not just secure software, but how to build software that is designed to secure data. Um, along the way, I, I, I held different positions, uh, whether it was in product management uh, uh, for, for uh, a, you know, secure, uh, security appliance uh, company uh, or other areas running operations. I really learned different aspects of what it takes to uh, secure uh, services, what it takes to really think about holistically uh, around security. And, and that eventually led me to that point where when I joined LiveOps, which was the first uh, time where I held a CISO or VP of security um, title, I really was able to bring everything that, I've, that I learned for the, for, for the first uh, 15 years or so of my career, um, what it takes to really think about security, right, uh, from the different as, um, uh, facets, again, compliance, risk, uh, uh, application security, vendor risk, et cetera, et cetera. So um, that was, you're right, that was kind of my first uh, foray into that that uh, defined role of a CISO and the life of a CISO. Mm -hmm. And I see that, uh, and can you talk a bit about uh, Audify? Sure, happy to. Yeah. Yeah, so Audify uh, is a startup uh, that's focused on, uh, we are a fintech company, so a financial technology company uh, focused on the automotive space. And, and what Audify does is we work with both traditional car dealers and non-traditional entities that are looking to sell vehicles to consumers. Uh, the way we work with them is we have a platform that enables the sellers to um, engage consumers, uh, whether it's online or, or at the dealerships, and go through the car buying process. You as a consumer, when you go into a dealer website and you're looking at their vehicle inventory, looking to buy a car, uh, you're generally doing that before you even contact the dealer. Um, and so what Audify really enables you to do is not 
uh, not just go and look at the vehicle inventory, but also be able to uh, start the process of buying uh, the car by going through and, and, and basically what we call a deal jacket, building a deal jacket, figuring out what, uh, what your earning power is, you know, what the cost is going to be of the vehicle, even completing a loan application and submitting that to, to lenders uh, online and getting credit decisions from banks uh, within uh, 90 seconds. So uh, what we really do is enable that consumer experience that traditionally was reserved for consumers at the dealership would now enable that to occur online, which is really when you think about uh, pre-COVID and even post-COVID, uh, the market uh, is really shifting towards uh, uh, buying cars online um, the same way that the market has shifted from a consumer goods perspective to buying consumer goods online mm -hmm. with uh, the likes of, of Amazon, right? You think about where Best Buy and some of the older folks like uh, Radio Shack and, like Radio and Circuit Shack, City, yeah. right? Yeah. That, that went the way of the dodo and now you've got Amazon. So uh, car dealers are, real, are realizing that uh, unless they participate in this process online, because they are now dealing with uh, a more educated uh, uh, a consumer, um, that unless they enable that consumer experience to occur fully online or predominantly online, they're not going to be able to be successful. Uh, so that's where they use uh, Autify's platform to really enable that consumer engagement uh, fully online. Mm -hmm. And you're also the VP of engineering at Autify and the CISO, right? Correct, yes. Okay. So my, uh, my role within the company extends from uh, development to quality assurance operations and security. Yeah, so, so many times I'm in conflict with myself. Um, I will, uh, uh, what I would say is, I, I, depending on which hat I wear, I, I, am, I do end up getting into arguments with myself quite a bit uh, about these things. Um, but I, I think that um, it also enables me, one of the challenges you have as a CISO, uh, especially when you're thinking about um, I, the conflicts of IT and application development, and, and many times, you know, um, product organizations want to push something out that maybe is not very secure, maybe is not the best approach, and they're trying to shove that through and ramrod that through uh, uh, the security organization. Um, what I, in my role, because I also have these other hats, I'm able to um, think about these things and control these things from the ground up. So it really enables us as we're designing application features or if we're thinking about how we're going to invest from a, an IT infrastructure or an operations perspective, I'm able to really consider and bring to the forefront uh, security mindset uh, that, you know, and, and in our view, uh, gives us a better chance of being secure um, than, than our competitors, right? Yeah, and you can actually fully understand the risk, uh, you know, as, as, as it's wearing multiple hats, as you said, you know, being the right. CISO and the, VP, and the VP of engineering, even if you do introduce a risk, it, you can make sure that it's controlled and, and augmented Correct. for an extent. Uh, okay, thank you for that introduction. Uh, and, you know, before we dive right in, I always like to start with a couple of icebreaker questions here, just uh, for our listeners to get to know you better. Sure. Uh, if you don't mind, can you, tell, can you tell the listeners about your marital status and your favorite drink? Sure. Uh, happily married for over 20 years to my wife, uh, Stacy. Um, we have three boys. Um, ranging from uh, the oldest 18 to the youngest six. So I'm very busy uh, dealing with a college kid, a high school kid, and, uh, and, and a kid in kindergarten. Uh, so it makes, uh, makes my life very challenging. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, having boys of that varied age um, really teaches you, uh, well, it teaches you patience, uh, but it also gives you perspective that um, I always like to translate into my work life. And, and that is that you really manage relationships and people at the individual level. Not everybody's the same. Uh, so I, it, that they keep reminding me of that uh, on a daily basis. Favorite drink. I've been a fan of uh, wines uh, for quite some time, in particular red wines. Uh, I'm a big fan of Rhone style wines, uh, Rhone's uh, is, is uh, a region of France and, and varietals and blends from there. Um, uh, so uh, I have a, a fully stocked wine refrigerator in my house uh, with a bunch of uh, Rhone style wines. Um, that's, uh, that's my weakness. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, and, and, and do you find uh, the proximity to Napa to be a plus then? Or, do, or don't you enjoy the, the wines? Uh, 
over at Napa as much? Uh, so I think Napa has some great wines. Uh, unfortunately, um, Napa has gotten too consumerized in, in essence. Um, so I can recall back to my early 20s when I would go to Napa. It was a different experience than it is today. Um, a lot of the, to me, the upcoming region now that that's been experiencing great growth and great wines is the central coast of California, um, the Paso Robles and, and uh, San Luis Obispo area. So it's really kind of a little bit north of Santa Barbara area uh, and including mm -hmm. Santa Barbara regions as well. There's some great wines out there. So I enjoy going down there. Uh, I have family in that area. Uh, so it's great to just travel over there and, and try different wines. Okay. Noted. Thank you. Uh, let's dive right in. Uh, so I'm going to ask you a, a series of questions. The, the purpose here is basically to get to know you better, not your company, but you, uh, and focus on your path to, to the current role that you're holding. And, um, you know, basically, uh, I'll be trying to learn more about you, about the role, about the tension between your, your, your various hats. Um, I'll be asking a few questions about vendor relationship management as well. Yeah, and if you feel comfortable, we can dive right in. Sure. So what's the one thing you wish you had known before you began your career? So that's a great one. I think that uh, if I was to point to there are many things that, that I wish I'd known, right? Um, but the one thing that I can always point to is I wish I knew not to be afraid to ask questions and ask for advice. You know, I think when you're when you're young, when you're starting out, uh, whether it's in engineering or in security, any kind of role, um, first you think you know something and you realize you don't, and now and then you're afraid of admitting the fact that you don't know it. And so a lot of times we try to um, uh, do things on our own to figure out. Uh, it's great to try to learn on our own, but I think knowing not to be afraid to ask questions, not to surround yourself with people and seek advice. Uh, that's something that I wish I, I'd known. It, it would have helped me a lot in early on in my career and, and it still helps me today. I still surround myself with a bunch of advisors that uh, that help out throughout uh, throughout my uh, my work. Yeah, and I, I think it's called, uh, I, I know we have a uh, similar issue in the consulting world. I'm not sure if it's called a consultant fallacy or not, but uh, I, I found out that uh, once you have, you know, like a base, uh, like a minimum set of knowledge, this is where you start to get too comfortable because you think you know it all, but you don't really know much at that point. Yeah. And 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 I'm I'm totally in agreement with you about that. I mean, I, I would never try to, you know, I would never claim to know something I, I don't know because I know it will just come to bite me in the ass. Yeah, it will come back to bite me in the ass. Yeah, that's that's a sign. That's a sign of a of a, a senior person versus a junior person, right? Your ability to admit that you don't know something is the first step in in acknowledging acknowledging your limitations, right? Yeah, definitely. And what would you say your biggest failure was, and what did you learn from it? So, you know, it's hard for me to think about a single failure that I can point to. What I can say is that I fail all the time, right? And um, to me, failure is a great opportunity to learn, right? Um, it's a teachable moment. So if you kind of think about it, when we go through our day-to-day, -day, if we don't experience failure, that can reinforce bad habits, right? The absence of failure does not mean success. The absence of failure means you haven't experienced failure yet. So to me, failure is a great feedback mechanism and a great opportunity to learn and to improve and to change things, right? So uh, I'd say um, there isn't a single failure that I can point to. I can, I can point to hundreds or thousands of failures throughout my career uh, and my prof uh, and personal life too. Uh, I just use those as opportunities to learn. Yeah, and actually... Uh... I like the, that quote, failure is a great uh, feedback mechanism. I totally agree with that. Um, okay, and having touched on that perspective, what would you say your biggest accomplishment was? <laughs> Other than my marriage? <laughs> we could we could, <laughs> yeah, we, we could discuss that as well. And that's a yeah. topic for no, another podcast. Um, yeah, I, I, I really, what I would say is my ability to... Uh, my ability to survive in the security industry for that long, right? For as long as I have and, uh, 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 and to do so with, uh, I think now I'm at my sixth startup. Um, 
to, con to continue to experience success and, and not get through burnout, uh, I'd say that's probably an accomplishment. That's something that I celebrate constantly. Yeah, and and you know, you know, I, I've been talking to a lot of CISOs recently, and I've heard like that line so many times. Like the um, so many people are are uh, surprised that uh, they didn't burn out. Uh, mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I still talk to to more and more people who's been in the industry for a long time, for like 20, 25 years now. So I'm I'm wondering, what makes you stay then? Um, it's a thing that drives me every day and that's, um, self-learning as, you know, uh, evolving, uh, every day. Um, I, I, I basically approach every day as an opportunity to learn again, you know, you're, you're going to look at a theme of, of, of how I, I approach work, how I approach, you know, views as a CISO, et cetera. It's about failure and learning, right? Um, life is a set of failures and you can either you know take it on, on the chin and, and stay down or you can learn from it and move forward and so i think what keeps bringing me uh, uh, or motivating me to continue on is the fact that as a CISO, there are a lot of challenges um your wins and when something doesn't go wrong right mm -hmm. your failures are when something does go wrong um but but you learn that when things do go wrong and they will go wrong um you learn how to get better, right? You learn how to survive, you learn how to improve. Uh, and so that's what drives me. It's just that kind of that personal desire to just continue to be better and better every day. Mm -hmm. So your passion is actually not necessarily around information security or even development. It's about learning, if I understand correctly. That is the underlying theme to everything I've done. My passion really is around learning. And if you look at my career again, kind of the non-traditional approach, I've wanted to always learn as much as I can about business, how businesses operate with the goal of one day owning my own business. And so when I approached my career, I was looked at as, okay, I'm going to spend X amount of years figuring out how to be a, a really good engineer and what it takes to be a, a, a great engineer, right? And then I'm going to learn about product management. I'm going to learn about uh, IT and, and, and operations and, um, and even dabble into to sales or finance, right? everything that I can learn. And, and so it makes me a better individual in terms of, of looking at, at business and how things operate and having that balanced view of business needs versus whatever my role is and how I can support the business. Uh, but it, it also gives me a, a better perspective personally um, about, uh, from a security perspective, how others in the organizations would think or, or would react and respond. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, my passion is all about information security. I've always, like I said, I've always been curious about, about uh, uh, cybersecurity. I've always been curious about application security. So those are things that at the, a more micro level uh, drive me on a day-to-day -day basis. Okay. Um, now, look, you, as you mentioned, you, you, you've had a non-traditional way um, before you became a CISO, right? So in... And for me, what I found out that you could find a few types of individuals before they become CISOs. Uh, so you have the group that grew out of IT and you have the group that grew out of uh, consultancy roles or even uh, methodologies. And, and then you have like a smaller group that grew out of uh, you know being developers or, or being related to the software development space. Mm -hmm. um, some of them maybe occupied the seat of a hacker for a few years before becoming CISOs eventually. And, and I, I believe I, I interviewed a few other uh, CISOs similar path to yours, but um, because I'm, I'm, and I'm giving this long introduction here because my next question is what advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career similar to yours? Now, I just want, want to set the, the stage for that because as you mentioned, you had a non-traditional uh, non path. Yeah. So uh, what I would say really is my advice would be be prepared to work very hard and to experience failure. Um, you talked about the fact that CISOs come from different facets, right? Uh, that gives you a, the, the sense of the breadth of responsibility and knowledge that a CISO has to bring to an organization. Um, it is not, you know, in, in some ways, CISOs wear multiple hats, even within that role, right? Um, and, and so you might come from one area, and you might be very good around the IT side of things, right? 
Uh, you might come from a compliance side of, uh, of, of things. You might come from an application security background. You've got the, the varied backgrounds, but a good CISO is going to be able to be a jack of all trades and a master of some, right? And to do that, if you come from one area, you're going to have to learn about the other areas. And that requires a lot of work, a lot of dedication. Um, and again, as I said, a lot of failures, uh, failures in learning and failures in uh, um, experiences where you think you figured it out and, and you come to realize that, no, you haven't even scratched the surface. So th that, that would be my advice to those that are looking to pursue a career in, in InfoSec and kind of taking a path towards a CISO role. Mm -hmm. So be prepared to work hard. And I can add to that, uh, and you know, be prepared to to listen, right, and to and to surround yourself with uh, more qualified individuals. I would say absolutely. Uh, never, never, never claim to be the smartest person in the room. Surround yourself by mm -hmm. people that are smarter than you, right, and they're only going to bring you up. Yes, uh, and you know, my next question is around the tension between uh, uh, holding the, the role of the CISO that's part of the IT organization. Now, in your case, you're actually, you're, you're I mean, I believe that you are the IT organization. So, so what would you feel about that? I mean, the role of, so occupying the, the seat of the CISO and the seat of the VPRND in, in, in your case, and I'm not sure where IT falls in there, but, um, but I'm sure there's tension. Maybe we can talk a bit about that. Yeah, it's it, there's certainly there's um there's a tension that occurs. You know, I touched on this earlier, um, in that there are times when we're trying to do something to support the business that has some tension between, um, you know, the need to get to market quickly, uh, the need to to uh, invest on an operational side, uh, choosing a vendor to work with, and and the risks to the business. Um, again, the way I look at it is, uh, as I always tend to take that holistic point of view of how do I support the business and how do I balance the needs of the business uh, from a engineering, IT operations and security perspective, right? And the fact that I hold uh, the, the, the role in all of those um, it allows me to really try to make the best judgment that is the what I would say the most balanced between um, between all those aspects. Although there are times where you do have to make a decision that is probably, you know, to support the business that maybe is not the best option on the security side, but but is the best on the operational side or vice versa. So mm -hmm. um, it always comes back down to um, understanding the business needs, understanding the business appetite for risk, right? Um, and then being able to make the right decisions or direct the right actions for the organization based on that overall view across the different, uh, um, you know, uh, roles or hats that I wear. Yeah. And, and I'm, can I assume here that communicating the risks uh, to leadership is also very important because, I, I mean, obviously you wouldn't want to, you know, be the, the only party to assume that risk, especially if we're right. talking about like, you know, business operations? Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that I wear those different hats um, does not dismiss or diminish the fact that communication is, is critical. Um, I am uh, um, always making sure that uh, my, uh, my colleagues at the leadership team, uh, whether it's our, you know, our CTO, our CEO, our, our general counsel, Right. Uh, anyone that really needs to be aware, informed, uh, or that uh, needs to participate in the decision process uh, is communicated to. Um, the 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 way I look at my role, especially as a as a CISO, is one of informing people of risks and advising them, being an advisory role as to what are the options and what are recommendations. Um, at the end of the day, the stakeholders that are involved in that decision-making, make, right, um, are the ones that are going to be the most critical. Um, and, and so you have to make sure that they continue to be informed, educated, and then given the opportunity to participate, ask questions, uh, perhaps even challenge some of assumptions or recommendations, right? And, and again, uh, make the best decision that is there for the business with the lowest risk possible. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And uh, you mentioned earlier that um, one of the things that keep uh, pushing pushing you forward is to the, the fact that you keep learning. 
Can you talk a bit about the best resources that have helped you learn along the way? Um, number one, Google. <laughs> uh, Google is, is your friend. Um, uh, it, it, the information is out there. You just need to know how to search for it. Um, secondly, uh, my peer network. So I made sure to surround myself with um, both official and unofficial advisors, people that I can rely on and ask questions and in different facets, you know, it's within the engineering space, within the infosec space, within the legal space. Uh, again, this goes back to don't be afraid to ask questions and ask for advice, right? So I surround myself with people that I can bounce ideas off of, that I can ask questions. How would you handle this? What do you see the issues with this approach? Uh, so I, I, I go to my peer network, I go to my, my trusted advisors, uh, and, and ask those questions, right, and bounce ideas. Um, and that's, you know, to me, that's, um, that's a great way of, of doing things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I might be wrong here, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting the vibe that sometimes when you're uh, with, a, with a network of peers, some inv individuals would be a bit hesitant of, of, of asking questions because they fear that they might sound stupid. Because uh, as you mentioned, I mean, you have CISOs at all kinds of levels, right? You have beginners, you have intermediaries, you have, uh, you have seniors and mentors, uh, and some know more about application security, some know more about compliance, and so on. And I feel that sometimes people are afraid to ask for the fear of, of, of being perceived as, you know, unprofessional. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Does that, it, it makes sense. I mean, I, I, I understand that. And it goes back to right what I would have uh, uh, taught myself when I was younger, right? And, and I see this constantly where people are afraid of asking questions because they're afraid of, um, you know, looking as though they don't know what they're doing or what they're talking about. Um, the reality is that more often than none, um, you are more likely to fail as an organization because you failed to ask the right types of questions, right? Because of that fear to look stupid, right? And so yeah. I would rather, you know, say, hey, I may be the dumb guy in the room and I'm okay with that. But let me ask you these questions because I don't get it versus staying quiet and uh, allowing the organization to make a really bad decision that puts them at risk because I was afraid to ask that question or because someone else was afraid to ask the question, I would always prompt you know, people to, hey, participate. It's okay to, if I'm the first guy raising his hand, asking stupid question, now I'm giving you permission to ask your stupid questions too. Might be a good way to start a conversation actually. Um, could you name a few individuals that you feel have been the most influential to you? Um, common theme here, uh, my wife, my parents, um, really, if I look at what they've thought, uh, you know, taught me, um, um, and, and the things that I struggle with today still, right. Uh, uh patience, uh, taking the time to understand things, not being afraid to ask, um, um, surrounding yourself with good people, right. Uh, those are the things that really Again, regardless of what profession you pursue and, and what role you have, those are great things to have in your life, right? Both in your personal and your professional life. Okay, thank you. Uh, is there one common myth about the profession or the field of information security and cybersecurity that you want to debunk? Yeah, you know, you touched on IT, right? And, and because um, I don't know what the percentages are, but a, a significant portion of CISO come, CISOs come from that field, right? Yes. Um, there's this misconception that security is the responsibility of the IT organization, right? Mm -hmm. Most people, when they think of cybersecurity, they think of IT. And, and the reality is that yeah, I, 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 I read a report recently uh, that said a study in 2020 said 95% of all breaches are based on human error, right? Uh, and so right, regardless if it's, if it's human error that's affecting systems or whatnot, the end is that it is a, it is a, a people problem. It is, you know, it is um, a challenge that doesn't involve just systems. It involves human beings. It involves, you know, other aspects. And so um, really what I would say, the myth is that 
security is kind of, it's not the realm of IT. IT is one area of it. And there are a lot of other things that you need to think about that make up the aspect of uh, security that, you know, whether it's a CISO or, or anybody in, you know, in our uh, profession has to consider and think about. Yeah. You know, that that's one myth, I think, uh, that the security is, is an IT issue. But uh, I've started uh, to, to hear lately that uh, a lot of uh, individuals that want to get into the field, they might hear um, like comments like you, you need to learn how to code before you can understand security. And, and I mean, and I think we touched, uh, we touched about, uh, we touched upon that, right? Uh, there, there's so many facets to security. And you know, there's application security, there's, there's compliance, there's IT. So, and and definitely, there's an underline of people there. That uh, and at the end of the day, I, I mean, for me, it's uh, security is above all things. It's it's a process, and this process is is all encompassing. Mm. Could you could you touch a bit about the main concerns that CISOs nowadays have? Yeah. So, I mean. Um... To me, there, there are two areas that are of a, a, what I would say kind of a growing threat or, or growing concern uh, right now. Um, one is the growth of the frequency and sophistication of cyber attacks, right? Um, I, I, don't, I don't remember uh, the numbers exactly. I think I had it written down somewhere, but uh, yeah, there it is. Um, you know, uh, attacks are occurring now over 2000 times a day cyber attacks, right? Um, that's, that's, and that continues to climb, right? I think that stat is about a year or two years old. So the, the, the frequency and the level of sophistication that we're experiencing in these attacks, these cyber attacks, um, is, is one where it's becoming more and more problematic for us um, to fully secure, right? Our, our systems and, and to, to, to really, um, we have to really worry about, you know, it used to be that, hey, you think of a, a, you know, you're securing a house and you have to secure the windows and doors and all that. Well, now I have to secure all the nooks and crannies that are out there and all the cracks in the walls, right? And, and it, it's just very difficult for us to, to, to do that. So it makes our jobs uh, a lot harder. I think the other pattern that I see here is um, as we move more and more into the cloud or as the ecosystem grows, um, our organizations, organizations, uh, technology organizations in general that I see are, are have a growing reliance on third parties, right, to provide their services. And that third party risk management becomes a lot more complicated, right? When you're going from having 20 vendors that you have to worry about and where the data is and what access they have to your systems and, you know, et cetera, when you go from 20 to 100, to 500, where some of the big companies are, it becomes very challenging, right, uh, to really manage. So I, I'd say, uh, especially in smaller organizations, um, it becomes a difficult piece to manage on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely, I agree with that. Um, do you mind sharing a bit about your daily routine? We're doing like a survey, like a poll here. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, so my daily routine in terms of what, in terms of, of how I kind of go about thinking security on a daily basis or in approaching the, the role? You know, some, some other interviewees uh, shared uh, everything from the moment uh, they woke up and yeah. got out of bed to the number of, uh, of coffee cups they had. So it's really <laughs> up to you. Yeah, I mean, that, that coffee, that's the first thing, right? <laughs> when you wake up, absolutely has to be, especially with kids uh, and 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 how we live life these days, right? Uh, with the craziness of COVID. Uh, but um, so the first thing I try to do, uh, if I can, is go for a swim. And, and that's just because I want to get my mind kind of reset. Um, I, I feel that if I exercise before I start my day, it allows me to be more alert, it allows me to kind of withstand all the craziness that comes our way throughout the day. So that's kind of that, that mindset of, hey, get ready for a battle, right? Um, and then to me, I, I kind of, I try to, to, to uh, catch on the latest events that are happening 
Uh, I'll go to some uh, websites like Krebs and Security, uh, uh, you know, CISO Magazine. I'll, I'll go to IAP. Uh, I'm also involved with data privacy. Uh, and so um, I really kind of try to see what are the things that are coming out? What, what's, what's going on in terms of, of current events, current uh, potential risks, new things that we need to be aware of and start considering. I'll go out and check chatter on, on my peer network, right, to see if there's anything that anyone's reporting uh, that, that I may have to look at. Those are the big kind of day-to-day -day that I start with, and then I, I get right into work, right? And, and, uh, and that, even within the CISO role, is a, a significant amount of prioritization and, um, and hyper-focus on, on different things, right? We touched about all the different facets that CISO have, CISOs have to think about. Uh, and so really, you have to prioritize and carve enough time for a lot of different things that you need to deal with, right? Um, at that point in time, it's it's almost a, you know, twenty percent of my day is is uh, proactively planned, and and eighty percent of it is just reacting to uh, the noise or the activities that are going on through that day. Mm, okay, interesting. Um, and and I wanted to ask you a general question about budget planning without delving yeah. into the details here. Uh, in your yeah. uh, opinion, was there any change, like any? Uh, sh um, trend shift from 2019-2020 to 2021? Well, I think a shift that we saw in the industry, and it's not something that we experience necessarily at Autofy, but I see in the industry, and that's that shift towards remote work, right? A lot of organizations are shifting towards that full virtual workforce and trying to figure out how to support uh, and secure uh, the organization with a fully virtualized uh, organization, right? Um, uh, and that, to me, is something that has occurred, again, part of COVID-19, but I really see as we look at the industry and the tech industry and a lot of organizations moving to full VO or a heavy hybrid model, um, that's going to continue to be there, right? Uh, gone are the days for most of us of the simple commute into the office and locking up our networks in the office, right? Yeah. The other part that I'd say is, uh, again, it goes back to relying on... Uh, third parties uh, and vendors, right, um, and, and that ecosystem, and and then you you couple that with the emergence of a bunch of data privacy laws, right, and what you're seeing here is a, a hyper focus now on on data security, right. Um, it's not to say that we've neglected data um, uh, until now, but it, it creates an additional focus and um, uh, attention required. Uh, to really understanding what data do you have, where do you have it, who's got access to it, how do you secure it, how do you uh, maintain access to it. Um, and so all those aspects uh, are now magnified or multiplied because of the reliance on uh, on, on the growing set of, of uh, third parties that you rely on. And of course, with CCPA and CPRA and, and other uh, um, uh, privacy laws and acts that are coming out, it's starting to, or if you're dealing with GDPR, right? It's really magnifying mm -hmm. that need for you to understand and manage your data. Yeah, and 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 you tie that to privacy laws because I'm assuming because of the breach notification that you need, the, the, you need to be able to to notify you, about breaches. Yeah, I mean, right? you first have to need to know what data you have, where mm -hmm. is it, and who's got access to it, um, uh, because uh, again, as part of data privacy laws. There's this concept of data subject rights, and, and data subject rights really mean that they they have the ability to ask, what data do you have of mine, and where is it, and can you delete it, right? Uh, there's some laws that require that. So um, the, the, the ability to support that um, is, is basically tied to your knowledge of what data you have, and where is it, and who's got access to it. The other part to that, of course, is with the increase of cyber attacks uh, that I mentioned earlier, the frequency. Uh, you know, the average cost of a data breach is about three and a half million dollars per incident right now, right? Um, you want to make sure you understand what exposure points you have, right? And how you, how, what, you know, what you need to do to tackle those. So knowing where your data is, uh, who's got access to it, uh, those are important things that really help you establish that solid uh, baseline, right? Uh, mm -hmm. from, a, from a CIA perspective uh, as a CISO uh, to really address this from a data security and data privacy perspective. Yeah, for sure. Um, and let's uh, let's ask let's talk a bit about vendors, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, if you if you can put yourself in the shoes of the vendor, 
for just a moment, what what's the one promise you would make to yourself that you would never do when engaging a new, with a new customer? So um, all too often, I see vendors reaching out to me with very little understanding of my business. Um, and so what I would say really is if you're a vendor, spend some time to understand your audience, spend some time to understand uh, who you're, who you're reaching out to and what pain points you're trying to solve. I, I can give you an example of one of the worst things that I had. I had someone reach out to me and say, Hey, Alon, as the VPE and CISO at Autofy, I'm sure you're worried about managing your fleet of vehicles. Well, um, you've got my name and my title, right? That's as much as you pulled and researched. If you spent any time, you would have known that we have nothing to do with vehicles and managing fleets, right? Um, and, and so that shows a lack of awareness. Uh, it shows a lack of, of interest to really partner together. And it's just pure, hey, let's just you know, blast out this, this mailer out to people with really not understanding our target audience. That's something that if I was on the vendor side, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do, right? Uh, it's, it's a waste of my time um, and it creates nothing but um, frustration uh, on, the, on the other side. Yeah, and it's, it aligns with the, with the recurring theme of, uh, you know, uh, reaching out uh, in, a cold, in a cold kind of way without uh, doing enough research. I've heard that a lot. Um, is there one most annoying sales pitch that you could, uh, that you could, uh, that you could talk about briefly? Yeah, like I said, it was that it was that email. Um, that after okay. they sent that email, they called me too, um, and and not once but multiple times. Uh, and so great, great for them. They managed to get my phone number, my email address, my title, and my name, all good. Uh, but they did nothing with that information to actually understand me. Um, that was the most annoying thing uh, uh, that I that I really experienced. And um, being from Israel. Uh, you would understand this. Um, I'm a fellow Israeli as well. Um, I, I did not hold back from telling them what I thought of their lack of, of effort or, or research. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I can only assume. Um, so, so what is it that you are looking for in a vendor? Yeah. Um, first and foremost, a partner, right? Um, and what I mean by that is that um, this is the same approach that I take when I hire people as well. Um, I, I, I split things into two concepts, aptitude and attitude. Uh, and, and what I mean by that, aptitude is, is kind of the hard skills. We always talk about hard skills and, or capabilities, right? And, and attitude is how you approach things. Um, I'm looking for someone with the right attitude. They may not have the best product. So if you think about it from an aptitude perspective, they might not have what I'm looking for fully today. But if they're the right partner and they're willing to grow with me and support me and my needs, and we can get, you know, we can have a great relationship going forward. Um, that's the kind of partner that I want to have. That's the kind of vendor that I want to work with. So, right. So someone that spends their time understanding my pain points, someone that is willing to work with me, not nickel and dime me all the time, uh, not try to um, shove a concept or product um, that maybe doesn't fit what I need. Um, but understands, hey, okay, great. It's not the right time. This is not the right product for you. Maybe we can work in the future, right? Um, those are the types of people and organizations that I want to work with, right? Mm -hmm. And are there any specific CISOs in the industry that you look up to? Yeah, so I mean, there are two. You know, it's it's interesting when I when I look at uh, CISOs in the industry, there are a couple of them that I've had um, the pleasure of either listening or or meeting. Um, Alan Alford, who used to be the CISO at Mitel, um, uh, he's also uh, used to be on uh, one of the podcasts that I listened to, which is a CISO series, a series uh, Defense in Depth. Um, really enjoy his his uh, his views on um, the the security industry. Um, and, and I follow a lot of his kind of questions and, and writings on LinkedIn. Uh, the other person that, that I, um, I kind of knew in passing in a sense that uh, he was a predecessor of mine at LiveOps, my first role as a CISO, uh, Niall Brown, 
who is now the CISO at uh, Palo Alto Networks. Um, he was also a CISO at Workday uh, for some time. And, and as I mentioned, my predecessor at LiveOps. Um, I kind of got to know him through all of the artifacts that he left after he left LiveOps and that I took on uh, and was impressed with his work. And then as I kind of got to follow him through uh, uh, a Workday and, and eventually recently met him, uh, really impressed. You know, he, he really is to me someone that that understands uh, things, and and I like his views uh, on um, on the industry and and how he approaches um, infosec uh, in general. A again, kind of same mindset of of supporting the the business, right? Um, so those are those are two that I that I generally follow. Um, I, I I would uh, I would say I take their guidance and 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 uh, and and views and and generally. 90% uh, of the time, I, 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 I agree with those views, right? So uh, align very well um, uh, on, you know, from that perspective. Okay, uh, and uh, I'm assuming you have like a social media present, presence where listeners can connect with you online? I'm really quiet on social media. Um, I, I try to avoid too much presence on there uh, just because it creates, uh, uh, it creates opportunities to reach out to me with some really uh, 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 stupid uh, requests or um, blasts uh, about managing our fleets of vehicles, right? Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm really, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to connect to folks. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty good about responding to outreaches um, and, and messages on LinkedIn. Uh, that's really the medium where I, I, I participate the most. Um, and, and I find that some of the other mediums that I was involved in, uh, I, I, I didn't like the way they, they were going on. Um, I prefer to participate in um, online uh, uh, groups, uh, small groups on, on LinkedIn um, and, and some uh, meetups. Uh, but, but in terms of social presence, LinkedIn is the, the way to reach out to me and connect. Okay, but, but let's uh, ask the same question from a different angle. Yeah. Is there any way vendors can connect to you in a non-intrusive manner? Uh, you know, to me, um, Email is the best way to usually get my attention. I'm still old school. You know, a lot of times I talk to people like email, man, I don't use email. Um, I still use email. I still like to communicate through email. I still like to have emails come to me um, because it's a way, it's an asynchronous form of communication. Um, I have always, um, you know, uh, followed a uh, GTD, a getting things done methodology. Uh, so it allows me to keep my inbox very clean. I'm, I'm happy to report my inbox is less than 20 messages on a daily basis, uh, which takes a lot of work. But but it it what that means is that email is the best way because it's going to come to my attention. I'm going to read through it. Uh, unlike you know some of other people who have tens of thousands of messages, right, uh, where your chances of getting their attention are probably uh, through email are probably you know um, uh, zero to none. Uh, so email is the best way to get a hold of me, mm -hmm. and I do I do read those things, right? But if you're going to send me something that shows lack of uh, of thought and research, be ready to hear about it. Yeah, and and I have to say I'm the same. I you know I I work mostly out of my inbox, so uh, yeah. same here. What's the single most important thing to you in your career? You know, we touched about it on it, and and. Um, uh, you pointed it out earlier, it's personal growth, right? It, it's really about taking the opportunity to learn something new every day. And it's a question I ask myself every, every, at the end of every day, right? Is, did you learn something new today? And if I did, no matter how small it is, uh, that was a good day. If I didn't, then it was a failure, right? Um, you asked me about failures earlier too, right? So I treat days where um, I did not learn something new as, as a failure and, a, and an opportunity to learn why did I not learn something new? Did I not spend the, you know, my time in the right places? Uh, did I not give something enough, uh, enough attention or, 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 you know, take the opportunity to, to do something new. Uh, so that's really what I, what I do. It's, it's all about learning and, and just becoming better every day. Okay. Thank you. And we're almost at the end of uh, this episode and let's just wrap this up with a couple of quick, uh, questions uh which are on the 
on the funner side for me to ask, uh, if you had unlimited funds, what would you do with your life? You know, I, I've asked myself that question plenty of times where I daydreamed about winning the lottery. Um, I'd start my own company. In reality, I'd be bored if I wasn't working. Um, I enjoy working. I enjoy uh, keeping my mind sharp. And, and uh, I've got plenty of ideas, crazy ideas for, for companies. Um, I'm not ready to take that step yet, right? I talked about my career kind of being a progression and understanding holistically the views of how to run a company and eventually having my own company. That's what I would do, self-fund. Mm. Okay, so you start your own company. Um, right. I'll probably I'll probably transition out of my company, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for the for those of us that have started uh, companies, yeah, you know, our, our you know the idea is to get out, but uh, yeah. I haven't, you know, I've I've been in a number of startups um, and been very fortunate to to see some good success in in a few of those. Um, uh, I really think that. Again, that, that sum of learning that I had over the years and being able to apply that into starting my own company to see whether what I've learned can really be applied in, in, in practice, uh, that to me is kind of the, 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 the final goal, right? And when I'm done with that, then I can step back and say, all right, I'm done. Well, that's that. I mean, yeah. there's that as well. Um, have you re read or listened to anything recently that have inspired you? Um, so I have... Um, uh, an author that I, I really enjoy reading his books uh, and listening to him speak, uh, Simon Sinek, uh, oh. a great speaker. Um, I've read a number of his books and recently I decided to reread uh, Start With Why, which is a great book. Um, in my opinion, one of the best kind of books that, that a leader um, uh, can really read. Um, and so I, I just recently reread that and, and I loved it. it it's um, it's, it was interesting how going through it the second time around, I picked up on small little things that I didn't pick up the first time around, right, uh, that, uh, that are great um, inspirations and, and great points uh, for me to take in, in my work. Mm -hmm. So I recommend, highly recommend uh, uh, reading the book or following his um, uh, video online, Start With Why. Uh, it's a short video uh, that uh, really tells a great story. That, yeah. Uh, businesses and individuals should really follow i remember that one it was uh it made an impact on me as well uh, i didn't read the book though but uh i'll sure try to add that to my list we're reaching the end of this podcast thank you so much for joining today elon and um i enjoyed the conversation i hope you enjoyed it as well and i think you provide some great uh, information for our listeners to take home to, to go home with and hopefully some of your answers would resonate with the listeners as well. And thank you so much and enjoy the weekend. Thank you so much.